never heard me. My name's Kim Clout. I've been coming here like 18 or 19 years, but how many of you here have never heard me? Raise your hand so I can see. Just a few of you. Real quickly, to show you how highly I esteem you, my name's Kim Clout. little etymology on my life. I've been in ministry 40 years. This is my 40th year of full-time ministry. Um, I know I don't look that old, but I am. Uh, Y'all were supposed to mildly laugh at that. <laughs> Come on, y'all. And, uh, and, and I grew up in church. How many of you here grew up in church? Many of you did. I did. My dad was a preacher. My dad ministered all over the world 63 years in 115 countries. He's actually in the Gospel Music Hall of Fame, he and all of his family, in fact. So I grew up in a ministry family. Uh, my grandfather was a preacher. My grandfather preached 72 years and was married for 78 to the same woman. Drop the mic. <laughs> How many of you know that's God? You married to the same woman that long? And I used to ask him because he was always grinning. I said, why are you always so happy? He said, well, it's easy. I just do whatever she tells me. How many married men here understand how that works? Anything else? You're swimming upstream. Uh, so that's kind of my background. How many of you know, however, just because your parents are Christians don't make you one? I was rebellious. How many of you here ever rebellious? Raise your hands. Rest of you liars. Is it that? You know, to each his own. Uh, I'm just being straight up. I wouldn't lie in church. I was rebellious. And, uh, and the Lord redeemed me from the curse of sin and death that I had run my life into. How many of you here couldn't wait to get out of your, your parents' house to be free? I'm free! How many of you here, almost immediately, you drove your life straight into a ditch? I mean a ditch. The front wheels of my life were in the ditch. The back wheels sticking up there still have my foot on the accelerator. Party! Finally, I had church people standing around me going, you're going to hell. And I was. But somebody came to me and shared with me that God had a plan for my life. Well, I'd always heard that, but I thought, but yeah, but now? You know, I'd heard he had a plan for my life when I was still naive and and hadn't made a lot of mistakes, but they said, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, here's the deal. I said, but you said I'm in a, in a pit. And they said, well, you are. But here's what he said to me. Changed my life. He said, everybody look at me. Look at me. He said, his love goes deeper than your pit. Let me say that to you today, and Selah, think about that a minute. Whatever pit you've encountered this week, know this, his love goes deeper in your pit and so you can go out of here today the scripture says walking in the high places say it i rule and reign with him, and reign with him. he calls me to walk in the high places that's what he said that's exactly what he said he said i've called you to walk with me to walk in the high places that's the blessing of being in covenant with a living god and so when i gave my life to the lord he not only redeemed me from alcohol drugs all the terrible things i was involved in but then he revealed to me that he'd had this plan on my life from the moment I was conceived. How many of you understand that's how God works? I mean, God doesn't look at you when you're like 18 and go, hmm, could I use that? I've heard preachers say, when I was 18, God called me into ministry. And I'm going to say, no, he didn't. You didn't do anything when you were 18 where he went, shazam. I had no idea. That's just when he revealed it to you. Scripture says he knew the plan he had for your life the moment you were conceived. 
When your dad's sperm joined your mom's egg and the first cell separation took place, boom, right then God said, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future, and not to harm you. Let me hear y'all say, that's good. good. Say it like Andy Griffith, y'all. Good. Good. We're in North Carolina. Come on now. So the Lord revealed to me this call he had in my life and gave me the incredible opportunity to enter into ministry full-time. As I said, I've done it 40 years. If you're not familiar with our ministry, my wife Susan and I head up Kim and Susan Clout World Ministries. Our ministry has four portions to it. We have a Bible teaching ministry. Y'all like good Bible teaching? Amen. Amen. Got two CDs back there. If you know me, I used to bring like a rack with ten. Now I just bring two. Look at your neighbor and say, we ought to get both of them. No, both um. I taught y'all this one time. Everybody say, Bo, it's B-O-F-U-M, both um. Baby, you want cake or cobbler? Both um. So I want you to go back there and get both of them today. They'll bless your life. Even if you've got them, get them for somebody else. It'll change their life. It's the Word of God. It's what it does. So we have a teaching ministry. We have a music ministry. How about that praise and worship team? Come on, give them a hand. I do music, too. It may not be typical of the church music you grew up with. Let me hear y'all say, Holy Ghost Soul, Sanctified Blues, and Rock and Roll. Straight up, that's what I do. So I'm going to play a little for you at the end. Then we have two outreaches. Jesus said go into all the world, didn't he? Let me hear y'all say, that's what he said. I mean, there's many worlds in Raleigh. Many worlds in your subdivision. <laughs> Just look out of the blinds and go, that's another world. <laughs> That is another world. Well, the Lord revealed to us that he had a call in our life to go to the world of the first Americans. In fact, Victory partners with us in that. We have an outreach to American Indian people. For 30 of those 40 years, we've gone to reservations all over the country. The Seminole in Florida, the Choctaw Mississippi, out in the Four Corners area, Arizona, New Mexico, Utah, and Colorado. We go to the Navajo, the Pima, the Zuni, and the Apache. Up in the plains of the Dakotas, Montana and Wyoming, we go to the Sioux, the Assiniboine, the Crow, and the Cheyenne, and the Arikara. And to all of them we take, I've taught you this word, everybody say, Hwashte. H sound first. Does anybody remember what it means? Good news, I'm impressed. Who said that? You get 500 points for the bonus round, brother. You see, I told him, but she clapped. <laughs> She's like, they're my points, baby. I didn't even know there was a bonus round, but those are my points, you understand? <laughs> <laughs> it does mean good news. When we greet the people, we say, How kola wakantanka wanka washte. Which in their language means, Hello, my brother. We come in the name of a God of good news. We've endeavored to take the good news that no matter how deep your pit is, if love goes deeper still to American Indian people all over this country. What enables us to do that, quite frankly, is people like you. How many of you here know Indian Sign Language? Nobody? I bet you do. How many of you know it takes? There's a word for that too. Wapsisha. 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 Takes Wapsisha. And so our ministry survives, quite frankly, on people like you who sow into what we do. And it enables us to take them tractor trailer loads, clothes, coats, shoes, blankets, food, over-the-counter medical supplies. Everything I take them, new. Say new. Say free. There's two words you rarely hear in the same sentence. New and free. In other words, I don't take them stuff that didn't sell in somebody's yard sale. 
We're doing things here. Let me hear y'all say Jesus class. Say up some swag, y'all. Let me hear y'all say Jesus class. You did that. <laughs> You're on the front row. I have a good mind to make you stand up and show everybody. Because I said Jesus class, and she went, Jesus class. That was all right. I like that. Yes, indeed. Everybody say it, Jesus class. How many of you know Jesus class is a step beyond first class? Jesus class. So that's what we do. Uh, we believe Jesus died for everybody. Do you? He died for everybody. So here's the deal. If he died for Indians, he died for cowboys. Can we agree on that? So we realize if we're only ministering to Indians, we're only getting half the deal here. So for years now, we literally have an outreach to cowboys. My wife sings, preaches, does entire services sitting on a horse. I'm talking about a 1,250-pound quarter horse. She teaches the Bible on horseback. And she actually uses the Bible to illustrate the principle she's teaching. Now, that may seem a little weird to y'all. Some of y'all are going, what? But how many of you have read your Bible? Some of y'all are like, I just read it the other day. How many of you have read your Bible? Well, how many of you know, you surely know then, the Bible uses the, the horse more than any other animal already to teach principles. How many of you here like horses? Raise your hand if you like horses. What, what's wrong with the rest of y'all? Y'all aware Jesus is coming back on one? I would give that some thought. Talk among yourselves. <laughs> so she uses the horse. Many of you in this room already get her newsletter. I had somebody come to me this morning say, when's your wife coming? The first eight or nine years of our 30-year travel ministry, she traveled with me. But we have a horse ranch in Tennessee, so she takes care of our four-legged babies. But she teases me all the time. She says, Kim, it takes you rental cars and airports to reach people. She said, I reach the world with my cowboy boots on sitting in my desk. And she does because of the, the Internet. She has people now on every continent who receive her newsletter. That's incredible to me. And many of you in this room already get it. If you don't, it's free. It'll bless you. All you have to do is put your email address back there on that table. There's a little sign-up sheet. Put your email address. Write legibly. What did he say? I said, write legibly. I went by her office one time and she had a magnifying glass out. I said, what are you doing, baby? She says, come here. Is that an A or an E? I said, I believe that's a 7. Uh, <laughs> So write legibly when you put your email address out there, and you'll start getting it. I promise it'll bless you. I got a good word for you today. Look at your neighbor and say, this is going to be good. It's going to be good. Here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what God talks about just about more than anything in Scripture. You know what that is? Wapsisha. Money. God actually talks about money. Now, here's what's incredible. I, like many of you, have heard this. All them preachers want is your money. How many of y'all have ever heard that? How many of y'all have said it? How many of you, that's where you heard it? <laughs> that's what I heard. But here's the deal. God actually talks about money and giving. And where it first shows up was after he judged the earth with a flood. You know the story, he created Adam and Eve. They could still be alive today had they obeyed God. They were created with no intent to ever die. But sin, the scripture says, 
the wages of sin is death. And so they perished. And ultimately, God judged the whole earth because nobody wanted to submit. How many of you know, look at me, God can never bless disobedience. Not even for you. Ding, ding, ding. You're not the golden child. He never blessed Israel when they were disobedient. He won't bless anyone if you're in disobedience. And so the whole earth had rejected him. They didn't have to die in that flood. How many of you understand that? I mean, they knew the flood was coming. How many of you know today we hear about hurricanes two weeks before they get here? It's a tropical depression. The Weather Channel, CNN, Fox News. We've got a tropical depression. Uh, it's named Theodore. It's 970 miles off the coast of wherever. It's moving at 12 miles an hour in a northeasterly direction. We're going to keep an eye on it. And if you pay attention for the next two weeks, they'll tell you uh, it's become a hurricane. It's Category 1. Uh, it's Category 2. Here's where it's headed. How many of you know nobody has to die in a hurricane? Because we know about it for weeks before it gets here. But how many of you know there are still people that say, well, my daddy died in a hurricane. I'm staying here, and if I die in a hurricane, I'm going to die drinking a hurricane. Nobody has to die in a hurricane. Can we agree? Nobody had to die in this flood. They knew it was coming. God told How many of you know nobody has to die and go to hell? We know that's coming too. People still chose to die, essentially, in that flood. And after it was over, God made a promise. He made a promise to know. He said, I'm never going to do this again. And in Genesis 8, 22, if you have your Bible... Turn to Genesis 8, 22. He made a promise to the entire earth, a promise to you and I. And in Genesis 8, 22, he says, as long as the earth endures. Is the earth enduring today? Yes. So we know that what he's getting ready to say is still in effect right now. He said, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, four things here, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, Summer and winter, day and night will never what? They'll never cease. They'll never cease. So let's look at these, but I want to start with number two, cold and heat. How many of you here are familiar with the difference in cold and heat? Raise your hand if you got that. I don't know how remedial I need to be here today. How many of you are familiar with cold and heat? How many know there's a difference? I mean, you look at both of them knobs at the sink, they look the same. And initially they are, but hang around. Changes are coming because there's a difference between cold and heat. Are we agreed? All right, let's look at the next one. Summer and winter. How many of you are familiar with the fact that July is a little different deal than January? Raise your hand if you got that. Raise your hand if you got it because I'll break it down if you don't. Okay, all right. All right. I just want to be sure we're on the same page here. The last one, day and night. Now, admittedly, this is more complicated, particularly for musicians. I've struggled for years understanding there is a difference in day and night. I don't know if you ever heard the story about the little boy. He said, Daddy, when I grow up, I want to be a musician. And his daddy said, Son, you can't have it both ways. I'll have a chart in the back explaining that. <laughs> When I grow up, I want to be a musician. You can't have it both ways. Okay. All comedy is a risk. Perhaps that illustrated it beautifully. 
There's a difference between day and night. In other words, and how many of you understand all of these laws are immutable? Look at your neighbor and say, they're immutable. Can anyone tell me what does immutable mean? You can't change them. So in other words, none of you here can say, starting tomorrow, I don't believe in day. Starting tomorrow, I don't believe in daytime. I mean, you can say that, but how many of you know the sun's coming up? Why? Because all four of these laws are immutable. Say it again, they're immutable. So in other words, these four laws have governed your life from the moment they spanked you and you started crying as you came out of your mother's womb. You drew your first breath, these four laws governed your life. Look at me. They have governed your life every day of your life. Every breath you've ever taken have been regulated by these four laws. Can we get that? Now let's look at number one. Seed time and harvest. Who here can stand up and explain for us seed time and harvest? I like how many of y'all are going, oh, it's a beautiful carpet in here, isn't it? I never realized how attractive he's still looking. And it's a beautiful ceiling, too. It's very... How many of you know this is as simple as cold and heat? This is as simple as day and night. It's been governing your life this whole time. Why is it when we get to seed time and harvest, we get, I don't know, whatever he says, that's what I say. You should be as familiar with seed time and harvest as you are day and night. And it's my prayer that when you walk out of them doors today, you will be. Seed time and harvest. What does that mean? First thing, I have four things for you I want you to write down. Even if you're not normally a note taker, I want you to do it today. If you need a pen, on my table back there's a little black pen cup. Feel free to take one of them pens because I want you to write down. I like you're on the front row and you're ready, aren't you? Go ahead on. Four laws of the harvest. Four laws of the harvest. Remember, seed time and harvest has governed your life. I want to talk about the harvest first. There's four laws that govern any harvest. The first law is you reap in like kind to what you've sown. You reap in like kind to what you've sown. What does that mean? That means if you plant corn, what are you going to get? Corn. How many of you understand corn farmers don't put their seed out and then two weeks later, go around to all their neighbors and say, would y'all be in agreement with us? We're rebuking squash and cucumbers. We're believing God for corn. Why don't they do that? Because if you plant corn, what are you going to get, church? You're getting corn. Conversely, you plant ragweed, what are you getting? You betcha. You reap in like kind to what you've sown. Jesus said, God will not be mocked. A man will reap what he's sown. You're kind to people. You're loving. You're generous. What are you going to get in return? Generosity and love. You mean-spirited, angry, and contentious. What are you going to get? Yeah. I've heard people say, I don't know why this happened to me. Yeah, you do. I mean, it's not, just draw on your inner Sherlock. It's not that difficult. You will reap in like kind to what you've sown. Number two, you reap a multiple of what you've sown. You put an apple seed in the ground. What are you going to get? One apple? No. 
You're going to get a tree full. And check this out. Just this year? No. For a lifetime. This is what's so important about you understanding seed time and harvest. Whatever you sow, you're not just going to get a return tomorrow or next month or next year or next decade, but you're going to get a return on whatever you sow for the rest of your life. How many of you know that's either going to be a blessing or a curse? And who decides which it is? Wave your hand and say, that'd be me. Wave your hand and say, that'd be me. Sir, you didn't wave your hand. Say, say, that'd be me. Thank you. You think I won't come back there. You're on the back row, but I can get you. <laughs> so number one is you reap in like kind of what you've sown. Number two is you reap a multiple of what you've sown. Number three, there are distinct seasons between sowing and reaping. That corn farmer don't put his seed in the ground today and get up tomorrow and shoot himself in the head if he don't have a crop of corn, does he? He understands it takes time, right? We call it germination. The seed has to go in the ground and germinate. Eventually, it starts to come up. Even when it comes up, you can't, you know, you can't eat that. You've got to wait until it produces. There's a season. How many of you know even in the life of a human being, if I can be, speak frankly with you here, there's a season in between when the seed is sown and when you get the baby. It's gestation. It's nine months. So there are distinct seasons between sowing and reaping. Law number four. And let me just speak about number three a second. How many of you ever, when you were a kid, did something wrong, and the first thing you did when you did it was you turn around and look? Did anybody see that? Because how many of you don't even kid them if nobody saw it? It never happened. But how many of you know kid them is a lie? Because God said, you're not going to mock me. You will reap what you sow. When David committed adultery with Bathsheba, he had her husband killed and knocked off. So when he took her in, it looked like he was a magnanimous king who was just taking in the poor widow woman. But you see, he'd already lied with her. He already lay with her, let's put it that way. He didn't know it, but they conceived a child. He killed her husband, Uriah, had him put to the front lines where it was certain death. And when he died and he took Bathsheba and he thought, this is going to be great. I've covered my tracks. But it took nine months before he reaped what he sowed. Because what happened when that baby was born? It died. God will not be mocked. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Law number four. Ain't nothing you can do about today's harvest. You decided that some time ago. But you have everything to say about tomorrow's harvest. How many of you understand you're deciding tomorrow's harvest today? Wave your hand if you get that. Wave your hand if you get Y'all ready to learn how I am about this. Raise your hand. Come on, brother. Come on, brother. Thank you. You're going to try me, but you saw he, he ain't backing off. Right. And you know what he's thinking right now? This is a violation of code. I'm seven rows back. I'm an untouchable. Nobody for me is an untouchable. Heads up. So these four laws have been governing your life from the moment you were conceived. Wave your hand and say, I know that's right. This is seed time and harvest. Now, let's talk about seed. Before you can have a harvest, you have to have seed. Agreed? 
Turn me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And let's go to verse 6. We're going to kind of move along here for the sake of time. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. It begins this way. It says, remember this. Nudge your neighbor and say, remember this. Some of you didn't nudge anybody, and there's a couple of y'all here need to be nudged. Nudge them right now. Go ahead. I said you could. And tell them, say, remember this. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will what? How many of you here enjoy reaping sparingly? I mean, nobody here wants to go and say, I'm looking for nothing at all. How many of you go to Walmart, walk around, I don't know, five, six hours with an empty basket? And then leave with the same empty basket? No. Nobody likes to work, put effort out, and get nothing for it. So Paul says, remember this. Say it again, remember this. You sow sparingly, what's going to happen? Yeah. I mean, it's not complicated. If you're not generous, people won't be generous to you. Conversely, if you're generous, if you give, what will happen? Scripture says it will be given back to you. And not just giving back, it will be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Some of y'all going, what does that mean? You remember the last time you were at a Chinese buffet? You remember what your plate looked like? That was pressed down, shaken together, and running over. <laughs> Come on, y'all. You're church people. Don't sit there and look at me like you play poker. What's he talking about? I, I don't understand. Yeah, you do. You sow sparingly, what happens? You reap sparingly. You reap in like kind. First law of the harvest. You put just a little seed out, you're just going to get a little harvest. He says, whoever sows generously will what? Reap generously. You put out big time seed, what are you going to get? Big time harvest. Come on now, say it. Big time harvest. Let's go to verse 7. We're going to go right down the line here through these verses. Lazarus, come forth. We're going to go through from verse 6 to about maybe verse 11. He said, in faith. He says, each of you should what? Each of you should give. Underline the word give. Each of you should what? In this section right here, what are each of us to do? How about this section? How about over there? How about the sound booth? Yes. Everybody in the room, what should we all be doing? Each of you should give what you have what? Decided where? How many of you know giving don't start here? Because how many of you know here is a two-year-old? Mine! How many of you have ever been around a two-year-old? You could have something that your grandmother gave you that you've never even taken out of the case and looked at it or held. But if the two-year-old gets it, what is it? Mine! That's the way the human brain is. Mine! This is why he said you should make the decision about giving where? Why is he saying decide in your heart? Because it's the only part of you that is just like God. 
How many of you know when you got born again, you didn't get a new brain, did you? Come on now, don't act like you got to think about it. That's proof. <laughs> How many of you know here you didn't get a new brain? Why didn't God change your mind? Because <laughs> you can't. Particularly you women. I know I'm talking big because she's not here. And if y'all tell her, I'll deny it. Let me tell you what, she's the poster child for I've changed my mind. In the early days, she would change her mind, and I'm like, well, that don't mean I've changed mine. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. I've been married nearly 40 years now. Isaiah, you know how often I change my mind? Every time she does, brother. That's right. There's a difference in swimming upstream or going with the flow. So God didn't change your mind because you can. God didn't change your body because you can. God changed the part of you you never could, your heart. And God wants you to be a giver because He is the ultimate giver. For God so loved, what did He do? And what did He give? His only child. And didn't just give him, gave him to certain death for you so that you could become a son or daughter. Amen? God is only requiring of you what He's already modeled for you. He says, I want you to be just like me. I'm a giver. And He said, I'm calling you. I've destined you. I created you. I have put in you. Your default position is that of a giver. Everybody say, I'm a giver. God wants me to prosper. So I'm a giver. Because how many of you know the only way you receive is if you give? But now look, as soon as we read this, each man should give what he's what? Decided. How do we know immediately from this he's not talking about tithing? Say that again. You don't decide a tithe. You're good. Everybody look at her and say, I had a girl. That's the second answer she's had that's exactly right. And she's right. You don't decide a tithe. Who decides what a tithe is? God. And how many of you know that decision's already been made? What does the word tithe mean? It doesn't just mean a tenth. It means the first tenth. Everybody look me in the eye. The first tenth of your income belongs to God. Jack the Bible. You betcha. Some of y'all were thinking it. Where is that in the Bible? Well, it started when Abraham went and got Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot had been taken in, been robbed, and Abraham said, that ain't right. That's my family. And he went and got him. And the Bible says when he went and got him, he took back not only a lot in his family, but he got back everything that had been stolen from him. And then he said, I'm going to give the first tenth of everything to God. Later, when Joshua fought at Jericho, and how many of you know I'm using the word fought loosely here? Because what did they have to do to fight at Jericho? Harder. That's what the Lord said, march seven times and shout on the seventh time and the walls fell. How many of you know when the walls fell, God said this, I'm giving you that city. It's the first city of the promised land. You're taking it. But he said, the gold and silver, the iron, all that belongs to me. Give it to me. He said, every city you take after this, you can have it all. 
but I get the first fruits. So understand this, tithing is not giving. Tithing is obedience. Say that with me. Tithing is not giving. Tithing is obedience. Because God said the first tenth of your first fruit belongs to me. And here's the deal. Some of you are going right now, mine! You're thinking, why would I give anything to anybody? Because God said this, look at me. He said, when you give me the first tenth of your first fruits, I rebuke the devourer for you. How many of you have ever had the devourer? You're going, I don't know if we had that. Well, is your washing machine ever tore up? You ever went out to crank your car? Click, click, click. Every car I get tears up. No, that's the devourer. And God said, I rebuke him on your behalf. Wave a hand, y'all, and let me hear y'all say, that's good. Say it like Andy, y'all. So God says, when you tithe, I take care of you. I bless you. I rebuke the devourer on your behalf. Your crops will not cast their fruit before the time. It's going to be just right. So here's some of you have said, but I am a tither. But when you sit down and you get your paycheck, who do you write that first check to? Ford Motor Company? SunTrust Mortgage? Pick and pay shoes? It's BOGO. Bass Pro Shops? Sorry, guys, I had the equal time, you know. No, first check. God says belongs to his storehouse. Now, let's see, where would the storehouse be in Raleigh? You sitting in it. Say here. here. Say it here. here. And only here. That's right. This is where the first tenths of your income belongs. It's right here in God's storehouse. And God says, when you give to me, I take care of you. But there's a difference between tithing and offerings. Say, there's a difference. Look at your neighbor and say, there's a difference in them. So what we're talking about here, more specifically what Paul is talking about, is not tithing. And how do we know that? Because he said, you get to decide. So a tithe, how many of you know you don't negotiate a tithe? Here's what I was thinking, Father. Um, I'm willing to go 5%, two Sundays a month, one Wednesday. But that's my final offer. You don't negotiate a tithe. God mandated it. Amen? Wave your hand if you understand what I'm saying. Okay, so the tithe belongs to God. But now giving, that's up to you. Say, I get to decide. You sure do. And that's why Paul said, when it comes to your seed, each of you can decide in your own heart. Not reluctantly, and don't let anybody compel you, not under compulsion, for what does God love? A cheerful giver. Look at the next verse. And God is able to bless you how? Abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, how many of that alone, if that's all he said, you'd have all you need, that'd be good enough, wouldn't it? But is that where their period is? He says you'll have all that you need so you then can be generous to help other people. Let me hear you say, imagine that. Wouldn't it be something if you didn't have to worry about paying all your bills this month and you'd have enough not over to bless your family but to bless somebody else's? For some of you, that seems like a pipe dream. What? 
But God said, if you'll tithe and if you will give, I'll pour out a blessing upon you. You haven't got enough room to contain it. Come on, Andy, what is that? That's good. Look at the next verse. He said, for as it is written, they have freely what? How many of you know normally when you think of the word scattered, you're going, oh, you just, are you just taking your money and scattering it? That's what God said you should do, that you should take your seed and scatter it. Why? Because how many of you know the more places you plant it, the more places you're going to reap it? Say it again, Andy. That's good. That's good. Let's go to the next verse. He said, now. When? Now. You can do better than that. When? Now. Now. He supplies seed to who? What does supply mean? He gives it. So let's break this down. Who's the he here? God. Now. When? Now. When? Now. Now. He supplies seed to who? Sower. Who does he give seed to? Everybody in this section over here. Who does he give seed to? That little group right there. Y'all thought I'd forgotten about y'all, didn't you? We're delighted to have y'all here this morning. God bless you. Hey, young lady, bless you. Just you bunch right here. Who's he give seed to? Sowers. Church, who always has seed? Sowers do. Sowers always have seed. When? Now. Now he supplies seed to the sower and. Don't you love when there's and in anything? Huh? What am I going to win? Well, you're going to win all this and. A trip for two. So he not only gives you seed, and where do sowers get seed from? And how do they get it? He gives it to them. Let me hear y'all say, Shazam. So let me get this straight. You're telling me you got this seed where? God. You got it where? God. How did you get it? He gave it to me. Is that in the Bible? Who's he give seed to? When? Now he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. That's good because here's the deal. Some of y'all right now are thinking, I never have any seed. Why don't I get any seed? Well, it's not that complicated. I suspect, don't even know your name, don't know your story, but if you don't have seed, I can tell you this, there's a reason you don't have seed. And that's because he gives seed to sowers. See, some of y'all, what would you do with seed if he gave it to you? Eat it! And you're going, what's wrong with that? Well, two things. Because first of all, you'll never get seed again. Because who's he give seed to? When? So you'll never have it again. You just got it. And what'd you do with it? I ate it. So not only will you never have seed again, but you know what else you won't have? A harvest. Look at your neighbor and say, silly rabbit. Seed is for sowing. Don't eat your seed. See, some of y'all don't have seed because let's be honest. What would you do with seed? You'd eat it. You're cursed when you eat your seed. You're blessed when you sow your seed. 
Because you not only have a harvest, you're insured that you'll always have seed in the future. That's good preaching, y'all. When? Now. Now he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. And he will what? Enlarge. Enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. That's good, y'all. Let me hear you say it this way. He'll supply and he'll multiply. Everybody in this side of the room, let me hear y'all say, he'll supply. Let me hear y'all say, and he'll multiply. I threw that moan to you. Again. He'll supply and he'll multiply and he'll enlarge rather the harvest of your righteousness. Every one of you in this room, God created you in his image. He's the ultimate giver. That's what he's called you to be. Because when you give, the scripture says, it comes back to you on every wave. When you give, you'll not only have the assurance, I'll have a harvest, but you'll have the assurance, I'll always have seed.